0: Welcome back to the Meet St. Louis podcast, brought to you by Mattress Direct, your local sleep specialist. Each week, we take you behind the scenes of your favorite restaurants, breweries, and small businesses. I'm your host, Alexa Zotos with KMOV. If you follow the winding road of Highway 94, you'll find yourself in Missouri wine country. Augusta is home to local wineries, the Katy Trail, and now a much talked about farm to table restaurant. Chef Philip Day opened Root Food and Wine in 2021. The menu changes monthly depending on the season, the local produce, and when inspiration strikes. We sat down with Philip in a century old home turned restaurant to talk about creating a destination restaurant. He shares his path to owning his own place and the reality that that often means wearing all the hats, including plumber and landscaper. So let's meet Philip.
1: Get the best price on brand name mattresses at Mattress
2: Direct. You'll get the guaranteed lowest price and the non-commissioned sleep specialists will make sure you get the right mattress for the way you get to sleep. You'll sleep better knowing you got the best price on the right mattress when you shop local at St. Louis Mattress Direct.
1: Well, thanks for joining us on the podcast.
2: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: So tell us a little bit about this space and your concept here.
2: Yeah, so uh, Root is a farm to table restaurant. Um, I thought that would be a, a great thing for the area. Mm-hmm. Instead of you know having to travel a long ways for, for the product, we're kind of amongst where the product's grown, so I think that's really neat. Um, the space itself is 120 years old, or so, and um, you know, it's a small, a small house building with uh, four rooms in it, a kitchen, uh, two dining rooms, and a, ba- a small bar. And yeah, so I mean, it's it mm-hmm. definitely is small, but it kind of suits our, our needs.
1: When did you guys open?
2: So, we opened April 1st of last year. So,
1: 2021. Yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> Had to think about that for a second. I know it,
1: what has that first year been like?
2: Um, it, Not even
1: a first full year, right?
2: Well, we're year year and a half right now. Okay, so 2020.
1: 20, so 20, oh, no, wait?
2: 2021. You're right,
1: 2021, right, because yeah. it's
2: 22 now. Right. I know. <laughs> Let's it, all do some math it's together. All, <laughs> uh, it, it all runs together because, right. like, I'm here every day. So, you sure. know, I forget. So what's Forget been the
1: first year and a half like for you guys here?
2: Um, really good. We've, we've, uh, we've definitely uh, been busier than I expected out of the gate, which was, was really good. Um, a lot of people are willing to drive to the destination. You know, and that's kind of what I always wanted was a destination restaurant. Mm-hmm. So that, that was, uh, you know, r- really good for us. And then, uh, you know, we, we've we gotten a lot of attention from the St. Louis media like Sauce Magazine and Ian Frobe and those people. So, I mean, it was really helpful as far as, as that goes, mm-hmm. getting kind of getting our name out there. So, <laughs> yeah, it's been really good for us.
1: So, right. So we're in Augusta, we're in wine country. Right. Uh, so do you find that most of the customers that are coming are coming from all over?
2: Yeah, it's it's kind of, you know i thought everybody would be coming here from a winery afterwards mm. and it's kind of a little bit different than that yeah we do get a lot of customers that are go to the wineries during the daytime and have dinner at nighttime but we get people that just drive out here for dinner um surprisingly we get a lot of customers from the katie trail mm. which i never would have thought that people biking on the katie trail would kind of drive business for us but mm-hmm. it, it does a lot and that, that's really neat um You know, and then we have people that stay at bed and breakfasts in town. And we work, you know, hand in hand with them. Currently, we're the only sit down restaurant in town. So that that helps us a lot. Yeah, That makes a big difference. Sure.
1: How did you choose Augusta? How did you decide this is where you wanted to open up your restaurant?
2: So I'm from like Wentzville, Lake St. Louis area. Mm -hmm. Uh, My wife's from New Melli, which is a little closer to Augusta. And these were just kind of like... You know, this was our back roading area. We used to drive around as kids in this area, and I've always thought that it was beautiful. And, um, you know, with the wineries and the whole, like, wine thought, you know, I thought, what, why wouldn't a nice restaurant work here? And I, I don't know. I've just always been in love with the area and the history and, and that type of thing. I mean, if you drive down Highway 94, it's a beautiful drive. And we I mean, stopped with...
1: several times for pictures. <laughs> right. And it's a gray, hazy day, you know, in the summer and the spring. It's just incredible right. out here.
2: And if you think about, like, you know, in San Francisco, you've got Napa Valley, which is outside of San Francisco, and roughly the same amount of time to drive to. And, you know, and as that's grown up. There's been a lot of nicer restaurants and that type of thing in that mm-hmm. area. And I thought, well, why can't St. Louis be similar? And um, so, yeah. And then, uh, yeah. So I think that that's pretty much...
1: How did you... Walk me through the process of, of actually <clears throat> finding the space, knowing you were ready to, right. to open your own place.
2: So the pandemic happened, and I was uh, running two restaurants. I was running the Rack House in Cottleville and their sister restaurant, Tompkins. Mm-hmm. So I was oh. the head chef of both and going back and forth. And we were shut down for a little bit, you know, but St. Charles was a little bit lighter on the regulations as far as that stuff goes. So we were operating, but definitely not, to full capacity or even busy at that point and you know when you're the head person you start thinking like am i going to be the first one that gets the chop because mm-hmm. you know you're, you're making more money than everybody sure. so i started thinking like you know I'm, I'm getting into my my upper 30s and i was like if i'm gonna ever do something i need to start thinking about it and get that in, in the works so i thought why don't i start looking at maybe doing a pop-up restaurant, or, or some, some private dinners and that kind of thing, just to kind of do some feeling and see what people like. And I've got some really good friends that I went to high school with, um, Ryan and Darlene Murs, or Smith, and um, they uh, they have an a organic farm in Wentzville and I use a lot of their produce and they thought it would be a really neat thing to have people on the farm and do like a little dinner, so we started doing some dinners there and, um,
1: how was the, how were they received?
2: Very well. Pe- well, I think people felt little comfort in being outdoors. Mm-hmm. You know, we spread people out. We had, we built tables out of old, um, electric wire spools. <laughs> and, and like, you know, I had these old chairs that we're sitting in right now. And it kind of had that like farmy aspect thing, but we were doing tasting menu, you know, format because we didn't have the ability to have people order things. Sure. So... I was basically just cooking dinner for like 40 people they were all spread out and we you know people loved it and we did three of them and the last time we did one was uh it was in the beginning of november and it just happened to be really really cold Mm -hmm. and we had to start like thinking about you know where are we gonna put people because it's cold outside and so we had the greenhouse and we had people lined in the greenhouse Mm -hmm. you know and i was like well this is really good but it's probably the end of the year but I wanted to kind of keep the momentum going. So I started looking around for places like, you know, conference centers and that kind of stuff, or places that weren't open in the evening. Mm-hmm. And I cold called uh, Randall uh, Oaks, who owns the building that we're sitting in. Mm-hmm. And he had a coffee shop in here and had a little kitchen in it. And I thought, well, this is perfect because I can do my prep here. He's not open in the evening. So, you know, I cold called him and he thought it was a great idea. And we kind of struck up a deal. And so in your
1: mind, you were still thinking this would be just a pop-up, a pop-up situation. Yeah,
2: I was doing it on Sundays. So I was working, you know, 70 hours a week plus my pop-up, you know. and <laughs>
1: Who needs sleep, right?
2: <laughs> right, you know, but you, you have to do what you do when you're trying to get successful and, mm-hmm. and, you know, do your own thing. So I did that. I did about three of them. And that kind of led us up into the end of December. And um, I think that was 2020. I think so. Yeah, it all runs together, like right? I said. Um and he had kind of mentioned to me that he was possibly looking at retiring mm-hmm. and maybe maybe closing the, the coffee shop or he wasn't really sure. And then we just kind of continued that conversation and kind of came to me and said, hey, like, if you wanted to do something in this building, would you, you know, would, would that work for you? And mm-hmm. it was just kind of like the perfect timing. And I said, yeah, let's. Let's do this. And, you and know, you obvious,
1: been doing essentially <clears throat> wrestling development with your pop-ups. So did you know how much of what you were doing to the pop-ups translated into what you did day one here when you opened?
2: Almost everything except for the menu format. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I give people options here. You know, so we have a three, five, or seven-course meal. Um, you know, there's two starters, three entrees, two desserts, And then people can choose amongst those you know Mm -hmm. basically build your own adventure kind of thing and then um, we have some some appetizers as well it's not a big menu but it's more than what we were doing with the pop-up um you know so uh, the the recipe development you know some things are things that i've done at other restaurants you know some things are are brand new it just kind of depends on what product i have available i mean that's really
0: what What, drives drives us, you know?
2: Like I said, my, my friends, Ryan and Darlene are, are very, uh, they're a huge part in in what I'm doing here. Yeah. So
1: how often is your menu changing? Walk me through sort of that process for you.
2: Well, when we opened up, we were doing once a week Wow. and that was really fun. Um, you know, I was really pushing the limits of my own, uh, creativity, Mm -hmm. but you know, when you're trying to be not only the chef, you're the general manager, you're, you know, (laughs) I'm learning how to do the other side of things too, that I had never done before, you know, bookkeeping and my wife helps me with a lot of that stuff. But, um, you know, I had to like, kind of take a little step back from that. So we do once a month, which Mm -hmm. is still, a lot. yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's a, you know, a thing too. So I find myself like at the beginning of each month, really like brainstorming what the next month's going to be and then you have to write recipes and and sometimes things don't come together like mm-hmm. you think they're going to so you know if you're changing a presentation or the way we did this sauce like in the middle of a menu like that that happens but um i think for the most part it's, it's come together pretty well
1: what do you have a favorite season to cook during
2: i love the fall well the, i don't know i, I find myself <laughs> like fall and spring mm-hmm. both but for different reasons i I love to hunt and I like to fish and I've always been kind of like a woodsy type person. So in this, you know, when I, in the fall, I can't wait till spring and, you know, find morel mushrooms and go fishing. And in the spring, I can't wait till it's fall and I can go deer hunting or, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so I always try to have some sort of a a game item or a, a, a foraged item on the menu. And that's something that I really like to do.
1: Do you think that brings a a uniqueness to what you're doing here and and what people are, uh, (coughs) You know what they can find in this part of our
2: region sure so i, I think i always try for it to be familiar mm-hmm. i don't ever want it to be something you sit down and you're like i i have no idea what any of this is mm-hmm. um, maybe you don't understand the terminology or that but when the plate gets in front of you it's like oh okay this this is really just meat and potatoes mm-hmm. you know but it might be something different mm-hmm. um so i always try to like have that familiarity. It's is it a
1: tough thing as a chef to like kind of <clears> sometimes <throat> rein in that own creativity to find what the customer is looking for like how do you balance that
2: well i think because we're trying to be as local as possible mm-hmm. that kind of ropes me in whereas there's some days where i'm like man i really wish i could cook scallops today <laughs> but you know like i've created a, a farm-to-table restaurant or you know locally sourced restaurant mm-hmm. and so that rope that like ropes me in so I'm using these flavors that people kind of grew up with, you know. Mm-hmm. People know beef, people know pig, you know, they they know that kind of stuff. And um they they know morel mushrooms cuz they maybe they didn't have them the way that I do them, but you know they they grew up with them. Mm-hmm. So um I think the customers are pretty receptive to what we do. Um I think I think uh it's like one of those things where you're like um under you, you kind of keep the expectations low and then over-deliver kind of thing. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's always nice. Yeah, And,
2: and I think that, that's really worked out good for us.
1: Yeah. So have you uh, been cooking a long time? Walk me back to your early food memories. How Did you start cooking when you were little? When did you?
2: Well, my grandmother was, you know, I've got the, the typical story. Like, my <laughs> grandmother was, like, always in the kitchen mm-hmm. and a great cook. Um, my mom was the youngest, so, like, she missed that. Mm. She didn't have to be in the kitchen mm-hmm. as much as her sisters did. And, you know, so growing up, you know, it was always, like, a awesome thing to go to grandma's house on the weekends. My parents are from northern Missouri, like, around Kirksville. Okay. So we always, like, every weekend, they didn't have a friend group here. So every weekend, we would go to Kirksville. And I was always like, okay, wow, dinner's way better than it was. And, <laughs> and you know, it's funny. My mom, after, since I, my sister and I have moved out and have our own families, she's, like, a much, much, much better cook. Now than she's she, become the yeah, grandma that cooks. Right, right. <laughs>
1: she's taking on that role.
2: Yeah, so... I always was like very excited to eat things that my grandma, you know, was was cooking, and it was just great. She had a, a big kitchen, and mm-hmm. she always was in the kitchen doing something, you know, when we were kids. And she was probably annoyed by us and telling us to get out, but we were always, you know, in there. And I think that, you know, even my cousins are, are very much into like cooking and that type of thing. Um, none of them professional, but
1: when did you? What was your first restaurant job?
2: So I started at Krieger's Pub and Grill okay. when I was in high school. I got a job dishwashing and like 2 weeks later the fry cook didn't show up and they were like, "Hey Philip, do you want to want to go fry things?" and so I did that and I was always pretty good at that. They didn't know that I was like sandbagging and that's why I was able to keep up. <laughs> but you know, you learn like how to do that really fast and you know, you kind of like got that whole like kitchen culture mm-hmm. thing and that really was good for me. Um you know, and I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with like not having to go to bed early and, you know, I could never see myself like waking up early and, you know, having a desk job mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. It just wouldn't work for me. Um,
1: did you go to culinary school or did you just learn within the restaurant? So
2: I, I did go to, I went to Forest Park mm-hmm. for a little bit. Um, I did most of the culinary classes and then I got offered a sous chef job and it was like, okay, well, I'm going to school to be a chef and they're offering me a job as a sous chef. So I was kind of like I got where I was at. And Mm -hmm. like I said, I wasn't very much of a scholastic person anyway. So I decided to just continue to work, Mm -hmm. progress my career that way. Mm -hmm. I was, yeah, I was doing like, you know, basic education at St. Charles community college. And then I was driving all the way to St. Louis and it was like one of those things that kind of met myself coming and going Mm -hmm. a
1: little Mm -hmm. bit. What would you say throughout your jobs at restaurants prepared you to own your own? What do you Um, feel like was the biggest?
2: Well, that's always been a goal. You know, I mean, even when I was in high school, I started to, you know, really think about, like, is this the direction I wanted to go? And I I learned really fast when you work for people, you know, you kind of, especially in restaurants, I mean, you're, you're giving up a lot. You know, you're not you're not there with your friends anymore on Fridays and Saturday nights and you don't make very much money, you know. And I thought, okay, well, if I'm ever going to do it
1: for the glamour is is what you do for, right? (laughs) Right.
2: Well, or you just found some I just honestly found something that I was good at, you know, and like I I felt like, uh, you know, like I I was one of the better ones in the kitchens that Mm -hmm. I've worked in. And you just, you know, that kind of stuck with that. But I would say, you know, I just kind of had that that plan, you know, from pretty young, like probably 18 or 19 that I was someday I'm going to open a restaurant. I worked with, um, I worked in this restaurant in New Melly called The Fireside, which you know, like outside looking in, it was like a bar and grill with like mm-hmm. chicken wings and steaks and that kind of stuff. But they were, you know, making like real sauces, you know, bechamel and hollandaise sauce and like those things that I had never seen before. Mm-hmm. And there was a chef there um, that had worked for uh, French chef Marcel Caraval. And he told me, he said, like, if you want to you know, go to learn something, you should go work for a French chef. So, so he got me a job at Cafe de France in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. And that was like really the foundation of my cooking. Like, mm-hmm. you know, we, working for him, it was almost like, you know, reading a book like Escoffier, you know, everything we did was really classic, but it was done the right way. And, and it was almost like being in culinary school, you mm-hmm. know. So I worked for him for like four years at Cafe de France. And Worked my way up from making salads to being a sous chef. Mm-hmm. And that was really neat. And then I uh, I left. I worked at a country club in Lake San Louis for a while. And he uh, became the chef at Chez Leon for a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he needed a sous chef and asked if I would come work for him again. So I left the country club to go work with him at Chez Leon. And that was kind of cool because it was a little bit different because he wasn't the owner of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. So kind of got to see him in a different light, you know. So that was neat. And, uh, then I went back to the same country club and became the head chef there. So I was there for off and on like seven years. Do you
1: feel like each of those places taught you a little something different to, to help you get to where you are now?
2: Yeah, I think country clubs for sure, because you're doing everything from, you know, as a matter of fact, my sous chef that just walked in Mm -hmm. worked for me at that country club and he ran a snack bar for me and our snack bar, you know, you're making hamburgers and French fries and, and, uh. But that was a huge part of the business because people are playing golf and they stop sure. in and get that quick food. Yeah. But then you're doing people's weddings. You're doing, oh. you know, um, buffets, you know, like crazy. So you learn a lot about di- different parts of, of running a kitchen mm-hmm. and running a, like a big kitchen with a lot of pro- products. And I, I kind of learned like what you don't want to do too. Mm. You know, like when I, be, when I become a chef owner, I want to make sure that like I have a small menu, you know, I don't want three walk-ins full of food, you know, yeah. I want... I want, like, you know, some reach-ins and, and, you know, that kind of thing. So you kind of, like, learn what you're not going to do. I would say with with Marcel, it was more about learning how to cook, Mm -hmm. the process of cooking, learning about ingredients that were foreign to me, like truffles and foie gras and, you know, things I would consider luxury. Mm -hmm. And then Chez Leon, um, while we were doing really nice food, and it was more French bistro, and we were doing a lot of people, you know, a lot of numbers. So yeah, it was a busy restaurant. Like, yeah, doing like you know two hundred fifty, three hundred people in, in an evening, and ha- learning how to mass produce really good food. I think mm-hmm. that was, and then learning that that's not what I wanted to do. Yeah, you know? and
1: which is obviously very different. You said how many how many seats do you guys have here? So
2: this? roughly thirty. It just depends on how we seat, you know. So if it's a six, but a top, very it intimate space. Thing. Right, right, yeah. So you know, I knew that there, like, that direction I wanted to go to, um, I say, like, I was very inspired by what, um, the Stone Soup Cottage was, you know, Mm -hmm. with the idea of a small amount of of people, very intimate, that kind of thing. Um, I I knew that I was going to be in wine country, though, and people weren't necessarily coming here for us. Yeah. So did
1: that sort of play into your business plan, your business model? Yeah,
2: absolutely. So, you know, knowing that people might go to the winery, I I knew that they weren't going to be wearing a tuxedo when they walked in the door, you know? (laughs) Um, So I made sure that, you know, with our staff, I I don't ever want to be, like, too overdressed for our customers. So, you know, we wear jeans. You know, we don't really necessarily have a uniform, that kind of thing. wanted it to be more like casual Mm -hmm. Um, with the options like changing and and you know people getting to kind of like choose their own adventure with the food you know that's something that was a little bit different than what you know you would see in a real high-end you know chef tasting you can have that if you want you can have everything on the menu if you want Mm -hmm. and and we designed the menu that way but you can also just you know have a three-course meal and come back twice a, a month if you want to you know. And do we, you get we a lot?
1: People. Yeah, I was gonna say, do you get a lot of repeat customers that in your mind you maybe didn't expect as much because of the of the location?
2: Yeah, yeah. You know, I, we we have regulars that live in town um, that are just like you know one of our biggest supporters and um, they come in twice a month and you know now that we change the menu, you know, I guarantee that they'll be in every month at least and and that's good. Um, and that's what's nice about having the option of only doing three courses is, mm-hmm. you know, you you can try the other things the next time you come.
1: Yeah. What so. has that support been like from the locals and from the St. Louis area?
2: Well, I mean, overall, it's been overwhelmingly positive. You know, um, we are in a small country town where there's people that have lived here. Their families have been here for generations and mm-hmm. they don't like the changes that are mm-hmm. happening in town, you know. Um, I understand that though, you know, and, and, you know, I know that what I'm doing here is not going to be for everybody. Um, but I would say, you know, the majority of people in town are supportive of us, and I think they, they like that, and they understand that, you know, Augusta needs these things in order for it to be a viable place. Sure. Especially a place that, you know, is kind of built around tourism mm-hmm. with the wineries and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. How do the wineries being so close play into what you guys do here? Obviously, wine is a, is a part of what you're doing. Talk to me about that that wine background and, and kind of how wine plays a role in your in your menu and in your restaurant.
2: So, you know, we we offer wines from all over the world. Um, I kind of personally gravitate towards France. That's just because that's where I was working in. French restaurants when I first started tasting wine, you know, but, um, as far as local wineries, you know, we, we use Montel, we use Mount Pleasant. We're very big fans of Noble Ice. That's, we love their wines. Um, we've become really good friends with some people in town that have vineyards, and, you know, like our Vidal Blanc is a, a single vineyard from the Honeybee Vineyard in town, which they're like some of our biggest supporters. Like they were coming to my dinners that I was doing before it was a restaurant. Mm-hmm. And, you know, building those like relationships with people and learning pe- about, you know, people's backgrounds in, in, in wine and that type of thing. That's um, that's been really neat. I, I would say we do get a lot of customers that come from wineries, mm-hmm. um, you know, I would say it's not as as much of a driving factor Mm -hmm. of our business as what I would have thought it would Mm. have been, which you know that's I think that's interesting. Yeah. But I think some of that just happens to be because of you know the publicity that we've got and that type of thing. So people are sometimes just driving out here for us, which is neat. It's amazing. Yeah. Right.
1: What What's been the biggest challenge in your year and a half of owning your own restaurant?
2: Um, Distance to Mm -hmm. things. I you know I don't have space to get you know giant trucks of food in it's Yeah not, I
1: mean cuz again describing this place uh, for our listeners it's a it's an adorable little house
2: Right, um right.
1: and so I you know even looking there's a porch on one side you got like a patio on the back I, I imagine it's tough to get deliveries here
2: Sure yeah <laughs> I mean the usually the the liquor companies have been mm-hmm. really good about delivery well, they
1: probably know they know their way around the, the right, winery right. town
2: <laughs> Sure um but as far as like large um food conglomerates and stuff they some of them don't want to drive down here mm-hmm. so and even some of the smaller um, businesses in town you know that, that I do use they don't necessarily want to drive here either it's, it's a long ways out at least to them especially with gas prices the way they are you know so I find myself having to make trips to St. Louis mm-hmm. to pick up product or that kind of thing or you know just working around people's time you know like even Ryan and Darlene my friends with the farm they you know they don't necessarily have the time because they're running a a very busy business to to deliver to me so a lot of times I'm dropping in on the farm and so picking my product chef,
1: up. owner and delivery, delivery man, man. <laughs> yeah
2: yeah I say that so far um staffing is really hard you know I think everybody's feeling the staffing problem but I think we're even because where we're at you know mm-hmm. um it's hard to get people um to at least new new people to come in sure. the people that work for me oh. though we've all were together in the past. So it was like a good thing, mm-hmm. you know, especially in the beginning. I, I, I knew who I wanted to come work for with me. Sure.
1: On the flip side, what has been the biggest joy in your year and a half of owning a restaurant?
2: Just seeing that it's going to work. You know, I think that was like, I was so nervous in the beginning because I'm in the middle of the country and it's like, are people going to care what I'm doing out all the way out there, you know? And I've been, you know, very, uh, very happy that that it's it's been fine. You know, um, even during the winter last year. You know, I thought winter would be.
1: Yeah, that was my that was going to be my question. What has winter been like? How obviously winery season? Uh, it, there's a there's a busier season and sure. there's a less busy season. So
2: you know, we learned last year th- during the winter that it well it, it ha- we think we had snow every Thursday. So even there
1: was some crazy snow last year. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. And snow out here. I mean, just that hill that comes down into Augusta, nobody's going to drive on that. So if it snows, we're closed. I mean, that's unfortunately, that's just the way it is. So we kind of keep our fingers crossed when it comes to weather. Um, but, you know, I think that was every Thursday. So we weren't even open on Thursdays. But the weekends were good. And we're starting to see that now. Like, we're starting to slow down during the week. And we'll probably just be open Fridays and Saturdays mm-hmm. through the winter. And then in mid-March, we'll open back up four days a week. But I think that that's probably been the one of the more challenging things. It's just dealing with the weather in the wintertime. But it was surprisingly good on the weekends last year. So, uh, you know, I think that that was good.
1: What's your hope as you look towards the future with this space and this restaurant?
2: Um, You know, to to continue to stay, you know, in in people's eyes, you know, people willing to drive out here. Um, I think hopefully with some of the plans in town, you know, from other other businesses, I think that that will help some of that. Um, eventually, I'd like to expand a little bit, um, have a bigger kitchen. I mean, I, this is the smallest kitchen I've ever, yeah. What worked is the kitchen
1: in. like here?
2: Uh, like uh, 12 by 10, <laughs> you know, then that includes the three compartment sink. And you know, normally on the weekends, we, we've got three guys. And I tell you what, I, I probably wash more dishes than I ever did as a young cook or a dishwasher, I wash a lot of dishes. Because I can wash the dishes and run the pass at the same time. Because mm-hmm. that's how small it is. Mm-hmm. So, um, but I would say a kitchen expansion would be really nice, um, you know. And then just like upgrading things, you know. Like we were sitting in chairs that were given to me, you know, that were in the basement of of an old restaurant for years, <laughs> and you know, the tables are. I made them out of pallets. Really? Yeah. But then you, know. you
1: very much fit that rustic vibe of the space. Yeah,
2: you know, I mean, obviously. I, did, I wasn't rich when I opened this. It was on a shoestring budget and it was like a big risk. So, you know, we did a lot of things like as cheap as we could. And I think, you know, as we get more successful, hopefully we can upgrade things. I mean, even we like the quality of silverware or, or glasses or the tables and chairs and, you know, landscaping or that kind of thing, you know, I, I mow the grass. <laughs> too. Mow so. the
1: grass, delivery driver, dishwasher. Yeah, I, I'm here
2: six days a week. I take Sundays off. And that's, people say, why aren't you open on Sundays? You make a killing. I'm like, cause I need a day off and I need to see my kids and my wife. Yeah, so that's, all your kids. so I've got a five-year-old and a seven-year-old. Aww. Well, he'll be eight next week. Yeah. Did
1: they like coming into the kitchen with you? Have you started sort of that introductory into the, the cooking process with them?
2: It, that's been like one of the best things for me is, you know, we're even during the busy season, we're Wednesday through Saturday. And we do lunch all day on Saturday. Uh, so um, for them to be able to come to work with me on, like, Mondays or Tuesdays during the summertime, you know, my daughter was helping me wash dishes one day in the back, you know. She could barely – she was standing on a little crate and couldn't even reach the bottom of the sink. But it was still, you know, cool. I, I could never do that when I worked for other people. You couldn't just bring my kids into the restaurant. Or, you know, uh, just being able to go home and have Sunday dinner and, you know, Mondays and Tuesdays be home for dinner that's been like really good for me.
1: Do you hope to sort of create this as a, as a legacy for them if it's a path they hope to follow one day?
2: If they want to, yeah. You know, <laughs> I mean, that, there's a lot to, uh, to really think about on that, you know? I, I look back at things and sometimes I'm like, man, I should have done, you know, I should have been an insurance guy like my dad. <laughs> I could play golf, golf three times a week, you know? But I look at my path and, you know, I love what I do and I'm, there's been a lot that I have to give up for that but looking back at it it's been great for me and if they want to do that I will support them if they don't want to do it I'll support them um, I want them to do something that they love and I think that that's the key you know if you love what you do you're going to give 110 percent to it if you hate what you do you know it's going to be work every day when you wake up to go for it.
0: This will be our last episode of 2022. We can't thank you enough for listening each week and allowing us to share the stories, people, and places that make the St. Louis region such a wonderful place. From the Meet St. Louis podcast, we wish you the happiest of holidays and thank you for listening. We'll meet you back here in 2023.